Welcome to the Culture Builders podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance builds strong cultures. Hosted by Jane Sparrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a deep dive episode. Hello, I'm Jane Sparrow, founder and author at The Culture Builders, and I am thrilled to have with me today Andrew Moultrie, the CEO at StudioWorks. He's going to be telling us a bit about the lessons from his career, but in particular, his lessons from his first 100 days in his current CEO role. So, Andrew, welcome. Thank you so much for finding the time to join us. Thank you. Now, tell us just briefly about your career history. Give us a sort of 60-second little walkthrough because you've had some amazing brands that you've worked for that have led you to where you are now, haven't you? Yeah, I've had the um, the privilege over the last 25 years to work with companies like Nike, uh, Pepsi, Goldman Sachs, Warner Brothers, and more recently, the, the BBC and now with BBC Studio Works. And these roles have um, been based all over the world, but now I'm firmly based in, in London. And just tell us, for those that don't know, what does StudioWorks do? So StudioWorks, uh, BBC StudioWorks is a facilities uh, provider for uh, production entities. So we have big studios up to 11,000 square feet where you do shiny floor shows like um, quiz shows or game shows, um, which can have audience rosters in them. Um, And we have seven studios across London, which we operate uh, that function in. Brilliant. Thank you. And having been to a number of them, it is goosebump moments when you go in and see the the real working behind the scenes and, and what goes on to see those productions that we, we watch in our, in our living rooms or, or on the move. So great stuff. Now, lessons learned in your leadership career. Tell us before becoming CEO, what are some of the lessons that you learn along the way that are useful for perhaps somebody in a first leadership role or, or moving through the ranks? I think you evolve throughout your, your career and as you mature, which sounds a bit cliche, but it's it's very true. I, I've got to say the, the Andrew of the 20s compared to the Andrew of the 30s compared to the Andrew of now the 40s is completely different types of, of leader. And I see you smiling at me as I say that. So there's that I think from a, from a leadership where I am now and I look back, I, I think there's what really works is being genuine. I think um, being yourself, um, you have to bring yourself to work 365 all the time. You can only really operate at a high level if you're being yourself. If, you are, if you're wearing a mask or being someone else, it makes it very, very hard to operate at, at your best levels. And I experienced that a number of years across my career where I'd go in um, almost robotic-like, be able to work the hours, deliver the numbers, but it wasn't really me. I didn't get much enjoyment out of it. You, you succeed, but always found there was glass ceilings of what was stopping me breaking through. I think the breakthrough for me was when I went to a leadership course and they advised me that leaders follow you because of you. And that kind of was a real breakthrough moment for me. So my advice to people generally is be yourself first and foremost. So be genuine um, because people follow you because of you. I think the other big piece of advice is be vulnerable. I think as a leader, um, some people, and I used to believe that you need to have all the answers when in actual reality, you don't. Um, and the best leaders I've worked with are those that ask questions and I learn along the way and take you on a journey of discovery. And I think as a leader, sometimes you need to give clarity, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have all the answers. Care, I think care about people is really important in leadership. Growing up, I was an emotional kid. 
And I've got to say that didn't work in my favor in the eighties and the nineties, but now it's a superpower for me to have that connection with my emotions and my emotional intelligence. It really works with helping people, working with people, but being genuine in my conversation with people. So I think about caring, whereas previously I saw that more as a weakness, but now it's a, it's a real strength. So I, I think that's something that all leaders need to really focus on about how you care for other people. Because if you're being genuine and, and, and vulnerable, then you need to open up yourself and, and care about others. And act. I think actions are, are really uh, a, a priority in leadership. So don't just talk the talk and not walk the walk. But don't overpromise and underdeliver. I think act, but be focused with your intention around your actions. Don't try and do too much at, at leadership level. I think everyone comes into a leadership role wanting to do as much as possible, get runs on the board quickly and show why they are a great leader or where they want to be as a great leader. But sometimes I think we can take on too much versus being clear on our actions and breaking it down and making sure we deliver on each of those. So that would kind of be my focus. But most importantly, going back to it, it's, it's be yourself. To be your best is you have to be yourself. And having had the absolute pleasure and um, delight of working with you, Andrew, I, I see and hear that all the time from from people around you, that they they feel and experience that level of following you because they want to and feeling that care. It really does shine through. And, and as a result, people want to be with you. They want to follow you. So I think that's great advice. Now, in the last 100 days-ish, I mean, I, I'm a little sceptical about the 100-day mark, but, yeah. but as we know. But, but in that sort of time-ish, what, what have you really used? And how have some of those things around you know, being yourself, being um, mindful and caring for others, how have those practically showed up at Studio Works in how you've entered the business and how you've led through an absolutely extraordinary time? Because when you came in, you had one, one way of working and then suddenly COVID hit within that period as mm. well. Well, so it's been quite an extraordinary journey that you've had over the last few months, hasn't it? Yeah, I think there's nothing better than a good old crisis to test the middle of a, of a new boss, right? So I think that's that's fantastic to see whether you're, you're up to task. I'll break it down into two parts, pre-COVID and, and post. I think pre-COVID, as we worked together as well on, on mapping out the 100-day plan and what needed to be delivered, probably more on a, on a theoretical level, understanding what uh, what was needing to be delivered in the first 30 days, 60 days, and 100 days, was really clear about the task and what we needed to do within that. But at the same time, realizing the approach had to be natural, um, had to be a way that engendered trust, but actually saw the working style that I wanted to have reflected within the organization. So I think any person coming into a new leadership role your, your role doesn't start on the day that you, you swipe your card and enter into the building. It starts weeks and weeks ahead of that. And I think that's a, a big learning for everyone and any new leadership role is put the groundwork in early. So you own day one, you've got complete control of day one and you set it up versus not knowing what you're doing or where you're going. So I think in my role particularly, the first eight weeks leading up to that was a number of meetings with teams, uh, understanding the kind of the culture as it was, setting up culture sessions with yourselves and, and the leadership team as it stood to get more of an understanding of where the business is, getting a feeling for the vibe and the energy and even the way people dress to ensure that I didn't come in in a three-piece suit and everyone else is in board shorts and sandals. Um, you want to make sure that you, you fit in. You're not completely alien because that first day, people will be judging you. And that's the biggest impression you can make. So first 30 days, 
then the next 60 you know about the conversations you're having around the organization so day one not being clogged with meetings it's actually going out and meeting people walking the shop floor connecting i think people fail to realize how important that connection is how people want to meet the new boss see what they think um have a something that kind of fits into the that that first 30 days before you start that strategic review um you talk about the planning for that and i remember those days before you started and and talking about what you would do pre that first day and then first day and so on i'm intrigued how much do you think you sticked to some of those plans versus how much did you have to deviate once once you got in that front door and started to absorb the current culture i think deviated massively I think if anything, I read too much in advance and put too much pressure on how I was supposed to be <laughs> because it was a new role and it was a big role. Yeah, my first gig as a CEO was something that I've, I've, I've been working towards for 25 years. It's something that was super important for me and I, I, I didn't want to stuff it up. So I probably put too much focus on on reading and getting other people's opinions versus trusting my instincts. So I probably put too much groundwork in, but at the same time, a lot of that did give me stereotypes and I could, I could customize. I think, like I said earlier, when it became natural was when COVID-19 hit. And that's where leadership for me, that you just fall into the way that you've managed teams and crises in the past, which wasn't theoretical. It's just years of training and instinct, which gets put into a, a working environment where you you can empathize and sympathize with the way that people are feeling and then you ensure you can give them that clarity and that support to make sure they feel safe, they feel comforted. Um, but more than anything, they've been communicated to on a constant basis, which I think we've done in spades and we put plans and we committed to the organization in doing that. So I think that's been a big change and, and you, you can read case studies on how people manage crises and you can find models and, and the grief process and ups and downs but in the thick of it sometimes you you react but you're taking feeds from everywhere but ultimately instinctively if you are being genuine if you are being you then you know what are the right decisions to make in, in any organization you being you you talk about empathy a lot of the things that are natural to you are around being highly emotionally intelligent and in tune with people at a practical level, I know you did things like call all of your people. Am I right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 yeah I, um, I just thought it'd be nice. It'd be nice to get a phone call from the CEO to ask me how I was doing and reassure me if I had any questions. But more than anything, I thought, what well, I need to connect. You can't just be managing a crisis in an ivory tower without actually going around, you know, the trenches for want of a better expression and having a conversation with people. And I found that liberating for me personally because it was different conversations. It was I was learning more about the team. They were genuinely pleased to hear from me. So it had a different kind of energy that I could I could bounce off compared to being stuck and doing strategic reviews and crisis management. You could actually sit down and just talk about what's going on and, and talk about politics and then talk about what's happening in their garden and, and be more connected, which was which was brilliant. Yeah. So over the course of I think Two weeks, I, I spoke to 
pretty much everyone in, in the organisation. And and in the first two weeks in your role, you spoke to everybody too, didn't you? Again, yeah, in that yeah. in that very informal way. So you you did it during COVID via by phone and video, but but also during the the first couple of weeks of your tenure, you you went yeah. out and talked to people in their own environments, and it didn't rely on formal channels of communication, which I think is something people can learn from. Yeah, I, I think. Gone are the days where um, you go to the headmaster's office for a chat. And I, I think that's, that's leadership evolved, that autocratic, bureaucratic, hierarchical process. And with such diverse workforces, there's the acknowledgement that, that, that you couldn't bring everyone into a meeting to, to speak to them, um, which could have been a more office-based environment. So you needed to adapt. And, and the best way to do that is, is, is go to them. Show that you're willing to get up, to be uncomfortable yourself and go into a place where they are comfortable. And let them show you what they're doing and give a bit of pride around their environment. But at the same time, point out where there's things that needed to be fixed in, in that environment as well. So, yeah, I went around to all the teams, had catch-ups in all of the environments and did a lot of listening. I think that's the such an underrated tool, which, but it's the best component of, of leadership is being able to listen, but listen actively and being in the moment when you're listening versus multitasking with emails or thinking about, you know, where do I go to next or, or being distracted. If you can really listen, then you get such a richness out of the conversation, which then leads to understanding and then understanding leads to trust and then trust underpins any good productive relationship. So I think that's another area to focus on. Within that, that trust piece is something that's real a core factor of culture, isn't it? And the kind of culture yeah. that you want to nurture and evolve in, in BBC Studio Works. Tell us, I know, you know the reason we're talking together is because we've worked together because we're both yeah. passionate about culture. Tell me, what, why do you feel that is so important for, for really making sure that you can take the business where you want to take it? Culture just generally is, is an important full stop. And that's, that's the soft element, I think, of any organisational design, but it's been overlooked for so many years and often seen as, okay, a bit woolly, a bit on the fringes versus being the core component that can drive organizations forward. At the center for me of organization is people, right? And often, you know, or you hear, you know, or you read that, you know, people are our most, most valuable asset. But the culture often isn't in the middle of that, is that our culture is the most important fundamental element that will drive anything in our organizations. Okay, well, let's focus on our skill set or our diversity or, or whatever, or actually, you know, our operating models, but underpinning that is people, and that's where culture comes in. And I think why that's becoming even more important is I think everything is being modernized now, and I think technology is coming in making big plays, and I think skills are, are being commoditized. So the need for leadership based on emotional intelligence, which robots can't deliver, will make a distinct difference to make you competitive in the marketplace. And that's where culture is so important in that, and engendering cultures based on trust based on genuine relationships will make you more competitive um, versus those those that aren't i see so many ineffective ways of conversations being developed around culture which are more kind of masking over bigger conversations and that's the key thing is having conversations with your people to understand them to determine what type of culture is in that environment or what you, can you shape because we also know that Culture isn't static, it evolves constantly. So that's why to take studio works forward, there's a need to understand where it is, but there's also as a leader to understand where you want to take it and then how you're going to get there with, with the people within it 
and its existing kind of setup. And I think that's an interesting point that you, you, you talk about there because that's about vision too, isn't it? And it's where mm. another real leadership quality comes in and particularly as CEO to be able to have the vision and, and not to give up on, on come on, we, we, let's have an ambition, let's have a go for it that, that perhaps mm. is bold, but let's try. And, and to have that drive and passion and commitment to looking further into the future, which is another big thing that I see in you that's going to be increasingly important to take the business forward. Yeah, also, I think with that, as I'm learning, you can't run too far ahead. You know, the couch to 5K versus running a half marathon straight off the bat, it's not going to happen. Because in the first place, as you're learning about the culture and, and helping craft the culture, people have got to trust you to open up, to have proper conversations too. So you can see really what, what is the beating heart of the business in order to strengthen it or actually find ways to, to, to reinforce it. And that does take time. So this is where this trust element in order to really shape vision, values and purpose in an organization. I don't think you can really do that in the first couple of months in, in a new job because you, you don't understand it. I don't think you can forge a, a strong relationship based on trust in the first three months of a new role. You can have a, I think you can have a, a top level understanding in a sense, but really getting into the nitty gritty, um, you won't get there um, in the first three months. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't share a vision though, because any leader needs to be able to show the clarity and the direction where they want to go. However, it's how you bring people on board with that journey by having those conversations and then crystallizing that at, at month four, month six, to ensure you've given that clarity of purpose to show where you want that business to go to, which is really important. One of the things that you talk about there when you talk about trust is taking people with you on the journey. And of course, one of the four things we always say is that you know, there's humility when it comes to trust, there's honesty, there's consistency, but there's also investing in relationships. Yeah. And so much of what you've talked about in terms of good, strong leadership is about investing in the relationship and not just doing it for the first week, but doing it constantly, which is yeah. absolutely what you've done and, and is making you a success. So before we finish, Andrew, just tell us, there's so much we could talk about, but, but tell us yeah. what's next on the Studio Works journey and what are you going to be using from your, your leadership experience so far and, and amplifying as you move forward? I think the, the priority, like every organisation at the moment, is getting us out of COVID-19 navigating our way through that in a way that reinforces the business but actually cements it. I think COVID-19 has brought the team together because we've had a constant um, or a common enemy to, to fight, which is great. It's given me the opportunity to show how I like to lead. So people have trusted me. They've seen how I operate. So it's going to be building on that, building on the, that open dialogue, that genuine relationship, the, the honesty but also the ambition, because the whole time we've been working on COVID-19, we've still been conducting our strategic review. We've still been focused about where we want to go next, because I don't think you can design a future based on current circumstance. And that's something we need to be mindful of um, in this place. So we've just had approval for investment inside London, which is great. And actually out of London now is where we want to go to next. Then we have an agreement on, on that as far as an approach is concerned. So I think learnings of COVID, learnings of the first 100 days is that that genuineness, clarity of communication, but the connection remains and it's part of what we really need to do to grow an organization. But you don't let up, you keep going. And 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 Jane, it's it's exhausting. It's tiring. Let's let's be let's be honest with that. Um, it's not an easy job. It can be um, isolating, it can be lonely. So my advice to any new leader is make sure you've got a means to recharge, uh, a means to 
have a support network that you can just vent, chat to, because if you try and do it all by yourself, you'll burn out. Um, because emotional intelligence, even if it's natural, is exhausting because you're constantly talking to people and you're constantly engaging, which is brilliant. You get a lot of reward out of that, but at the same time, it does take a lot of energy. And what an incredible way to end, because if you could bottle that advice, <laughs> then then we'd sell lots of it because it is so true. And, and at any any new CEO, the first thing I always say to them is it's going to be lonely. So be ready for that. It doesn't mean it's not going to be phenomenal, yeah. but it will be lonely because you're yeah. the one. You're the one people need to constantly have the energy to be guiding them and, and to be there for them when they need it. And so that's a great way to finish with that, that advice. Andrew, we'll have you on again, I hope, because this is just the beginning of a journey. But so thank you so much for, for giving us some great advice, some things for the, that people very practically to think about and good luck on the ongoing journey and look forward to being on on it with you over the next few months thanks so much Jane. take care thank you for listening continue the journey at www.theculturebuilders.com